Something revealed. Got usually yes. Truth or revealed or. Secrets revealed. Shocking somethings. Disclosure. Secrets revealed. <laughs> UFO disclosures. Secrets revealed. I just did. Uh, I finished up a report on Nessie this past, I think, last week. Like, were they, they thought they he was a scans. giant eel. Yeah. And there's another one in China where it's turned out to be some rubber tubing that was running down a river more likely the case fantastic hey listeners guess what you're listening to that's right the three-part voltron has reassembled this is chewing the scenery horror movie podcast we are a podcast that talks about a horror movie or several and we try not to spoil the featured attraction but we will spoil the recently watched there you've been warned we thank the moon rays and i kind of owe them three more thank yous because i posted some interviews and didn't really think to say that at the beginning, because I think the interview subjects might be like, who the hell are the Moonrays? Well, they provide us with intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find them on Amazon or iTunes if you want to buy their music digitally, and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon-Rays. There, said all that. Housekeeping. Guys, yeah, housekeeping accomplished. Guys, it's been forever. Yes. We're back. You've what is this podcast again? <laughs> we talk about a horror movie. Oh, Okay. You'd be meeting horror royalty. I met some horror royalty. Um, I sat down uh, very briefly. I think the whole thing lasts a very short amount of time, maybe 10 to 20 seconds, where you do a cast photo, photo ops, as they call them. I was at Horror Hound Indianapolis and uh, went ahead and got the uh, Scream cast photo op, uh, mainly for Ziggy, because she, you know, yeah, you guys know, and some listeners who've heard those episodes know that um, young Ziggy loves Scream so much. And how was I going to say no to that? So I had Matthew Lillard hold up a sign that said "Hi Ziggy," nice. and uh, everybody else uh, was there too, and smiling and very kind. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a highlight. Uh, Mike Flanagan's wife, Kate, who's professional last name i forget but her name on her credit card was kate flanagan she bought some funko pops for uh i don't think that uh, mike's listening to this but for mike flanagan and he's probably received them by now so uh they were rare hard to find and fairly expensive (laughs) that was kind of cool um and i met uh for the several severalth time uh ed edmonds and that was pretty cool from uh distortions unlimited oh that's right yeah and you remember he gave us that that demo when they were yeah. when, when they were selling the mask kit yeah yeah so ed saw him last year was gonna do an interview didn't get a chance Some totally reason his name never sticks <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah what if your name was will williams you know no one would ever forget yeah 
I could be a conservative radio show host. That would totally work. Because there's you. a lot out there, you know, Eric Erickson. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's more than that. <laughs> there's one springs to mind, right? Um, what have you guys been up to? I mean, that's uh, pretty much. I went to two conventions back to back. Okay. And that I was, wondered how many conventions there were. Uh, Dragon Con and then Horror Hound. Yes. And didn't get, uh, other than Derek Yaniger, which was really fun to meet him and talk to him. Um, I did, um, I did meet a couple of like comic book artists and poster artists, but, uh, other than that, no, no real celebrities, n- nobody whose face you would recognize. I mean, yeah. you'd recognize their work, but, uh, yeah. Anywho, what do you guys been up to? Not much. How's the uh, Plan 9 coloring book going? Well, that's uh, funny you should ask. Uh, my my grand scheme was to have a bunch of them at the table at Horror Hound. And the printers were like, there's no way we can have this ready in three days. Mm. And I'm thinking, three days? I was thinking more like three hours. <laughs> and uh, they just couldn't do it. Yeah. So... Um, my thought was, okay, let's take a step back, take a breath, um, get the thing to oddities this fall. So it'll be a hometown release of it. To be honest with you, people weren't shopping like they should have been at Horror Hound. I mean, I, I saw the same thing everywhere. A lot of people looking and not as many people shopping. Hmm. So the numbers could have been better, I think, for a lot of people at the event. And it would have been a real bummer to, like, get the thing done last minute, get it in the suitcase and then sell one. That that wouldn't be cool at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, especially if they were rushed and yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is, uh, I have to rewatch the movie with all of our files open so I could put them in chronological order as though that matters. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But it would read better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why? Yeah. You can't just, you haven't seen the movie enough times yeah, to just put those in order? Well, you can't slap Plan 9 together. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, no. That's Ed Wood's job, not mine. So, God, I don't know, guys. It just seems like I wanted to do another one after this, and now I really think that's a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah, the first one's always the worst. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, um, but Dana Gould's going to be in town. So yes. We need, to, we need to slap some of those down on his table and mm-hmm. be like, here, check it. Um, is he coming next month? This month? This month. I think he's got three nights at Comedy Works downtown. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I I have no excuse except for the curse. The curse. <laughs> it's the supernatural at work. That's all it is. Oh, okay. It's not me being overwhelmed at work and not having enough no. time and doing no. Doing back-to-back shows with uh-uh. no break in between. No. It's none of that. Why weren't you at Kinko's running off copies after the convention? Should have been. Man. I'll just staple myself, thank Some you. terrible, terrible nights. <laughs> God. You made your own comic books, you know. Yeah. Second place comics. Uh-huh. Um, you hand-assembled all those? Yeah. Did you collate them, too? Um, or did they come collated? Uh... I had to do all the stapling. They came collated, though. Well, but I had good. to fold them, too. They didn't come folded, so... Ugh. Yeah, there's... You a... had to, you know, fold them and put, like, a stack of them under a big book so you could really 
squash that spine because I hate books that flop open. Yeah. I wish I'd known you were doing that. I would have told you a cool trick you could do with Bertha. Um, for oh, the, yeah. Yeah. You could smash them in the... Mm-hmm. We had a big industrial paper cutter at the art supply store that was nicknamed Bertha. For yeah, the, I used Bertha for that. Yeah. Yeah, just slam it a couple times and mm-hmm. mission accomplished. Yeah. So, recently watched, Jolien. I bet you have a list. Yeah. Quite a list. Uh, so, uh, as usual around this time of year, I read uh, The Halloween Tree, Ray Bradbury. Oh, great. Uh, I've probably read this more than any other fiction book. Uh, it's a corgi. This is a, this is a spare copy, so either of you want to have that? All right. Well, yeah. I will gladly read it. Um, yeah. And I've been rereading uh, a book called uh, The Video Nasties, Freedom and Censorship in the Media, which came out at the height of the... Um, Video nasties. The campaign in 1983. Um, so that's, that's always worth reading again. Yeah, that's fun. I'm about halfway through that. I love the font. Good little line. I like the cover. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's kind of drooling on that VHS tape, right. isn't he? Chewing on it. Oh, he took a bite out I of like it. Like chewing the scenery. So they have, yeah. they have chapters which talk about how in the uh, the history of the campaign and uh, you know which was an ongoing thing at the time. Um, how the uh, the evidence they're pointing to, uh, you know, what, what actually happened there with the, the surveys they were doing, mm-hmm. um, is all very nefarious and oh sure, mendacious and uh, um, yeah. Then and then there's like uh, talking about the actual films and um, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, makes you angry. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of confirmation bias and a lot of just fabricated. Yeah, and as as they say in the book, you can you can go back every twenty to thirty years, and there'll be something similar happening with much the same language. It's just the technology changes. So sure. TV, comics, Penny Dreadfuls, yeah, uh, theater. You know, just go go back as far as you want. Books, cave paintings, mm-hmm. walking upright, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> all met fire. With heavy, heavy. <laughs> These kids today with the fire. Yeah. 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 Unsupervised. We need to put a stop to it. Um, um, and then uh, freshly, just before coming here, we watched the um, first episode of American Horror Story 1984. Uh, did you see that? No, 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 no not it's yet. It's like every Wednesday night. Have you recorded it? No. Okay. I don't have any means to, I don't have a DVR anymore. Okay. But. Um, yeah, we, we, we've got it. So if you want to see it. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, it's quite fun. I, and uh, the first episode is, you know, they can follow the tropes, uh, and they do a good job of it. Yeah, so you know, there's a lot of Friday and there's a lot of um, Halloween in there, and, mm-hmm. and uh, they've obviously got a budget for music because it's better the better '80s music than any slasher film had. Yeah. Um, then uh, uh, so it's going to be interesting. By the end of the second episode, they'll have gone on longer than a slasher movie ever did. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how they extend it for a series. Yeah. Whether it gets bloated or not. <clears throat> what is the premise of this one? Um, so you've got, you've got a, f- a fellow who's like a, a Vietnam vet named uh, Mr. Jingles, who um, not, is not his birth name. Um, no. I think it's, I forget what his, what his uh, character name is. But anyway, uh, so back in 1970, he knocks off a, uh, a whole cabin full of people, including uh, counselors having a threesome. Ah. And uh, then he gets stuck away in an asylum. And then in 1984, 
uh, this camp is reopened, Camp Redwood. Oh, okay. And uh, the woman running it turns out to be the one, one who survived the original massacre. Oh. And she's like a hardline Christian. And so she's running this camp with like, a, you know, no drink, drugs, sex. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and uh, What could go wrong? Yeah, well, well of course there's... Uh, you know, <laughs> things go uh, terribly Halloween night at the asylum and um, and things start up again. Oh, that's great. All right. So, yeah, cool. it's quite fun. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And what have you seen? I mean, I've seen a bunch of stuff. Well, go ahead. Uh, all right. Well, shall we stick with the UFOs for a bit? Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Devil's Triangle, 1974, Richard Weiner, narrated by Vincent Price. This is just over 50 minutes long. Perfect. Mm. Um, uh, theme music by King Crimson. <laughs> man, you wow. got, wait a minute. You got Vincent Price and King Crimson? Yep. Together. At last. Oh, man. Um, so this uh, starts off with um, uh, Flight 19, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, uh-huh. the, the flight of Grumman's that got lost in 1945. Uh, and and the, there was a seaplane that got lost at the same time. Yeah. Because it was searching for them. Man. And uh, and it ends with the uh, story of the SS. <laughs> Hold on, let me close the door. <laughs> See, I thought it was going to be fine to leave it open, and then this happened. So it goes on with all these stories, which are uh, uh, so narrated by Vincent Price, so it's excellent, and ends on the SS Cyclops, which was a coal ship which vanished in 1918. Damn. Um, yeah, so it's like 50 minutes of your time. Why, why not? Yeah. Um, Wait, where was that available? It was on YouTube. Um, uh, you can. Uh, they also have um, Satan's Triangle from 1975, although I recommend looking for that one on other sites because the YouTube version is missing the first part. Mm. Um, Lost on the Triangle. So Satan's Triangle from 1975. Uh, this one is a TV movie. Ooh. Starring Doug McClure. <laughs> of course. As Haig. He plays this uh, Coast Guard winchman and sets out in this helicopter to investigate this. He um, plays a big, beefy, blue collar guy, right? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> How do you know? Um, so this yacht is in distress in the triangle. Uh, he finds three bodies one a priest hanging from the main mast, and uh, one a man floating in the air in the hmm. aft cabin. And the survivor is uh, Eva, played by Kim Novak. Oh. Um, and so that opening scene is pretty spooky. And it's got excellent uh, 70s kind of woo-woo music Ooh. for the spooky bits. Uh, so Doug gets stuck on board with Kim Novak, unlucky fella. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tells the whole story. So <coughs> it gets kind of dull for a while because then it has to catch up with the present again. Uh, but then it pays off with this neat twist ending, which is... This just haunts people to this day. You can right. see, on, see online people who saw this. Uh, I was surprised they allowed the implications of it to go through on TV. Wow. Mm. Okay. Where'd you watch this one? This is on. This is online somewhere. Okay. Satan's Triangle. So the it's so pretty easy to find. The floating body in the cabin. I think I talked about that. Yes. Yes. I believe Can they I spoil- solved the mystery yeah. Yeah, of what that movie it. was. Okay. I won't spoil it. I won't spoil don't it. Spoil that. But if I, you go back like three episodes, well. Yeah. More than that, but yeah, I talked about it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's like that that bit that they go into that, but 
But then there's this like afterwards. There's this twist. Okay. After that, which is just I saw this what as a kid. So I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll have to rewatch it. Um, that part stuck out to me though. All these years. This is directed by Sutton Rowley and screenplay by William Woodfield, who did uh, The Hypnotic Eye. Hmm. I also watched the, the Dead Don't Die. You both saw this one at the theater. I did you? not see it yet. Yeah. No. He went. I was that the only, was yeah. The, that was an episode where two of the three of us had not watched the movie. Okay. So, oh, yeah. That was it. <laughs> and I uh, sat here like a sad jerk so talking about it. Like, this is character in it called, played by, uh, I think it's Caleb Jones. But uh, yeah, he. he he runs the gas station, which is also a uh, like movie horror movie memorabilia shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and ice cream. Right, <laughs> not the best shop ever. Um, you know what? There, there are things that I will absolutely do if I ever win the lottery, and that might be one of them. <laughs> so, so he wears a Nosferatu shirt like you do. Oh, okay. Um, so this is directed by Jim Jarmusch, and it's got this awesome cast. Uh, Iggy Pop plays a zombie. You yeah, know, yeah. You wonder how much. Uh, makeups on there 15 minutes in the makeup chair <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> most of that was combing his hair yeah just right. giving him a shave yeah, right. <laughs> yeah you're good to go yeah, so the pontiac le mans i mean that yeah, yeah yeah like they start the movie and, and you see the car going up the road and you're like oh they're they're uh, tipping their hat to uh, night of living dead and then yeah, yeah. later on in an unrelated scene you yeah, see that yeah. pontiac roll up and you know i gotta say guys if you're gonna just Buy a classic car or choose one and go through all the hell to restore it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be on my short list. I think the uh, the Lincoln Continental from uh, The Matrix with the suicide doors, mm. everything was completely blacked out on it. Yeah. That would be kind of cool, even just on its own. And then uh, the Pontiac Le Mans would be another mm-hmm. one. And of course, the 58 Plymouth Fury, but oh, yeah. that would be a lot. What? to deal with because it's just every every five or ten years older a vehicle is forget it it's just so much more trouble but uh yeah and in the movie they, like they actually point it out you know it's oh, yeah. a romero fan and yeah yeah and and um uh and, and you know it pulls away and there's an american flag uh, flying there yep. and everything <laughs> uh i really enjoyed this uh except for when it breaks the fourth wall at the end of the just too much too much fourth wall breaking. Um, it was in the script. And where did those kids go? Yeah. Um, no, I, you, you pointed that out. Yeah. yeah. They headed out to the sequel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. Uh, I, but I thought for most of it, it was like more in the Romero spirit than most zombie films. I mean, it, was, it was pushing the comedy a bit more, but it was that satirical yeah. use of zombies. Uh, it, it, I, it, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, let's see what else uh, alright uh, continuing with the Bermuda Triangle um, watched uh, The Iron Superman uh, this was a English subtitled German dub uh, entitled Roboter de Stern uh, which starts out with the Bermuda Triangle this map um, and this was translated as Super Flying Robot <laughs> And it's shown in, on uh, Amazon Prime as The Iron Superman. And this was an originally a uh, Japanese TV series from 1974 called uh, Super Robot Mac Baron, which is the follow-up to uh, Super Robot Red Baron. Hmm. Huh. Are you following all this? Yeah, yeah sort of. I-, I can give you my notes if you want. Okay. Um, so this is like a giant robot series. You can you can get Super Robot Red Baron on DVD here. It's really, really fun. Um 
So uh, the uh, the good guys belong to this organization called Kiss. Ah. Hmm. And the bad guy is uh, Lala Stein. Um, who makes <laughs> all these evil r- robots to fight people and uh he's a demon bat that sues everybody yeah <laughs> um yeah i enjoyed that one is it's uh it's very strange um let's see what else uh killer bees 1974 got onto a tv movie run yeah so this is directed by one one of the uh, kings of the tv horror movie curtis harrington okay uh, stars Kate Jackson, queen of the TV horror movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also stars Gloria Swanson from Sunset wow. Boulevard in her return to the, I think this is her first TV movie. Work. Uh, and then uh, Kate Jackson's, like, was he boyfriend or husband at the time? Uh, Craig Stevens, uh, he'd been in Peter Gunn. Okay. Um, so, Killer Bees. Yeah. Um, this is on Amazon Prime, I believe. Is it okay? Yeah. So she's she's uh, brought out to his his rich family who who run this like big uh, vineyard, mm-hmm. and uh, and Gloria Swanson's you know raises bees and and uh, bees are killing odd people around the town, uh, and the whole town seems to be under the sway of this family. But uh, yeah, I won't give it away. But uh, yeah, always enjoy that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, sort of spaghetti western uh, well should say I shouldn't say that Italian western <laughs> Ringo and his golden pistol 1966 aka uh, uh, Johnny Oro uh, this is directed by one of the three Sergios okay uh, this is Sergio Cobucci who did uh, Django the next year I think okay or, the, or that same year later uh, assistant director Ruggiero Diodato oh horror fans know him yeah uh, so it stars uh, Mark Damon, uh, Tori Mani, uh, Valeria Fabrizzi. Uh, so uh, pretty soon into the movie, you get uh, Tomahawk to the noggin. Mm. Um, the sheriff is risking everything to uphold the law. Um, uh, music by Carlos Avina. Uh, it was good. Yeah. Uh, Sergio Corbucci is always good. Have you, have you seen the original Django? Mm, no. That's really good. It's one of those like... Italian westerns where they're like the the town is like out in this like wasteland and it's it's just so apocalyptic you know yeah uh, let's see uh, I started watching this uh, Japanese uh, horror series called Kaidan 1972 because um, you know August this was back in August because mm. um, uh, it was that's the time of year where you for Japanese ghost stories oh okay it's, it's the Obon festival. So okay. that was like it's the, it's the similar to Halloween. It's like when the spirits when the veils come fan. back and you pay pay them honor and yeah, good time for telling ghost stories and things. Um, that was really good. and It's got a lot for people you recognize from Japanese horror movies uh, in front of and behind the camera, and it's like all uh, traditional classic Japanese ghost stories. Oh, so it starts right. straight off with uh, Yotsuya Kaidan, and then it, the next one is Bondoro, uh, and there's there's a couple of originals in there. But yeah, we just started watching that. Um, okay, watched uh, the Bloodthirsty trilogy, also known as the Blood Sucking trilogy. Also, it's the it's this uh, three uh, movies from the early seventies, uh, directed by uh, Michio Yamamoto, and uh, they no they were released in the West. They were they were promoted as being the Japanese Dracula movies, but they're not. Despite what the subtitles may tell you, 
they don't mention Dracula. Oh. oh. Like even on the, on this edition, this like beautiful new Blu-ray edition came out from Arrow. Um, there's a bit where this guy's on the phone and it has him saying Dracula, but he's not. He's he's saying uh, truck. <laughs> but it, because it's like in Japanese syllables, yeah. he's saying Toraku. Oh. Instead of Doraku. Um, hmm. So, uh, yeah, but uh, that uh, I wasn't so keen on him uh, before. Like, I'd seen one video, mm-hmm. uh, kind of soft, you know, crop versions, and yeah. I wasn't that impressed by them. But uh, these new Blu-rays look really nice. And, nice. And you can really appreciate the, the uh, you know, the, the movie making better. Uh, so we enjoyed those. Mm, let's see. Uh all right, The Hands of Orlac. I've not seen this version. This is from 1924, so this is the... I think it's the earliest one. Yeah, it must be, because the, the novel came out in 1920, didn't it? Yeah, I um, think 24 is the earliest. So this is directed by uh, Robert Wien, who did uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, straight out the gate, it links uh, Orlac's hands to his sexual potency. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Uh, he, you, you, I, I was just when I was watching, it, I was thinking, oh, this how this would play in nineteen twenties Germany. So people are actually disfigured by the war, or they're you know they're financially ruined, and you know there's all sorts of things going on. But so this this guy, he's a pianist. He's in a train collision, um, mm-hmm. and then he's, he gets these hands, uh, which apparently from this freshly executed murderer named Vasseur, and they're grafted onto him. Um, very dark on I and it's like 70 percent darkness for most of the shots there's there's a few early daylight scenes but there's like Ooh. most of it just black black um and it stars conrad veit or it's yep. conrad veit i should say um and it, you know he's he's experiencing his loss of identity and autonomy and uh you know his, his sexual impotency um you know his his his, his poor <laughs> I think it's his fiance or wife. It must be his wife. Uh, she's she keeps saying things like uh, how she longs to feel her body beneath his hands. And so, <laughs> but yeah, some really good uh, shots in that. Uh, another German one, uh, Agatha Last Das Mordenstein. Uh, directed by Dietrich Hoch from 1960. This is a, uh, a crimi comedy. Uh, the author is a woman who's uh, you know. Obviously, kind of take off from Agatha Christie and, and the such. She writes oh, like okay. gory horror novels, and she's very successful. So all these men want to bring it down. Mm. Um, amusing cartoons in the credits, um, but it's a really unfunny broad comedy. Oh, I, I can't understand German really. No. So maybe it's really funny. Yeah. Uh, it looks good. It's got a good kind of Euro horror cobwebby mansion. And uh, let's see, uh, moving on to Mexico, uh, <laughs> Frankenstein, El Vampiro y Compagna, which is a 1961 remake of Abbott and Costello, Meet Frankenstein. Uh, this is directed by Benito Alazraki, who directed uh, Menecos Infernales, which is uh, Curse of the Dull People. That one. Oh, okay, yeah. That one, yeah, that one's yeah, got I've some good bits one. in it, yeah. Um, I didn't, didn't really like this one. Oh. Um, the Wolfman's especially awful looking. Mm. <laughs> Um, let's see uh, an Italian movie uh, L'Atleta Fantasma The Phantom Athlete from 1919 um, ooh that's an old one yeah this is like um, uh, 
so Italian horror movies they they got up to late so about nineteen twenty, mm-hmm. and then when as the new regime came in, yeah, they were forbidden. Like anything fantastical got cut out. Or, yeah, you know, they'd be clipped out of the posters and um, so uh, yeah, they stopped making horror movies until the late fifties. Wow, and and this is one of their um kind of uh, masked bodybuilder heroes from the from back in the silent times. Oh, neat. Um, they had Machiste and, and so on. So this guy, he kind of wears this like chainmail hood thing. Um, and uh, he's he's also a meek man who who becomes a superhero when he puts on the mask. Hmm. And, and his girlfriend likes the he- masked hero better than she does wow. him. Wow. So, in 1990. Yeah, that tri- trope's already in place. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, Jim Carrey. Um, back from the Dead 1957 this is an American horror movie uh, Felicia possesses Mandy after a weird tune gives her a miscarriage um, that old story yeah got Peggy Castle Arthur Fryans Marsha Hunt I thought it was really dull I, I kept my concentration kept wandering oh. um, it's one of those like um, time to do the ironing yeah you, you know in the 50s they had all these like uh, multiple personality and, and people who have these like was it What's it called when they when they get hypnotized and they think they they were someone in a previous life? Uh, reincarnation. Yeah, yeah, those sorts of things. There's a bunch of those in the fifties because there was like past lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's one of those one of those movies where there's like a, this mysterious house and it's right next and it's full of all these like unhinged people and it's right next to the sea cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I love unhinged people by a sea yeah, cliff. There's, the, yeah. there's this like satanic cult operating there and stuff. Well, but, yeah. Um, you know, one? that was another another thing in the 70s, cults. You know, there's a lot to be worried about there. Yes. I was pretty sure between the Killer Bees, the Bermuda Triangle, uh, the Great White Sharks. <laughs> and the uh, cults. The cults. We were going to die. There were, there were not enough... Uh, Evil Knievels and Muhammad Ali's to go around. Uh, <laughs> or Bigfoot. Or Bigfoot's to save us from this. And we weren't even sure whether to trust Bigfoot. No, no. <laughs> it's so hard to get hold of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to go out and break sticks and make all those strangely high-pitched sounds. You'd think they would have like a lower growl, but... You would think so. so you met one of the Bigfoot guys. Yeah, that was one I didn't mention in blathering earlier. Um, uh, Bob Gimlin of the famous Patterson-Gimlin film. I met him and chatted with him. Do you quiz, quiz him? I chose not to. He oh. got one of your posters. He, Could have been. Yeah. He, he, you know, finally broke the story. Well, Wide open. I could and have. Just grabbing him by the collar and shaking the hell out of him. <laughs> Tell us the truth. He's a tough little cowboy. I wouldn't mess with him. Mm. He may he may be old, but I think, like my dad used to say, I got one good one left. <laughs> it's like I don't want to be on the receiving end of it. That's the same thing that ran through my mind when I met Evil Knievel. It's like, um, whoa, you met Evil Knievel very briefly. It was at an autograph signing, and I took my friend Dave Johnson's uh, Evil Knievel lunchbox to get it signed. Nice. Dave couldn't go, and uh, this is another one of my stories. But the short version of it is. Uh, there, a woman came out around this Harley dealership and said, okay, the line's going to be cut off here. Um, uh, Evil Knievel's doctor said he can't be there this many hours, and it's going to take that many hours to get mm-hmm. to this part of the line. I'm sorry, everybody else, that's it. So they capped the line, you know, 50, 60 feet in front of me. And then it goes through my head, Dave, 
uh, will tell you he is the king of cuts. He will find a way to cut any line and get into a place and have people happy to help him. He's just good at that stuff. <laughs> so I just kind of raised my hand and I said, well, what about the things in the lobby? Can we still go in and like take pictures and stuff? And she says, well, sure, everybody can still do that. And I thought, there we go. So I'm in. <laughs> so I headed in and some people saw me with the lunchbox and they kind of called me over and they were telling me stories and wanting to see the thing. And, and pretty soon I said, Hey, look, um, I'm sure I lost my place in line. Do you guys care if I join you here? And I look at the people behind them and I said, do you guys care? I'll make it super quick. And they're like, yeah, I guess no problem. And the people I was talking to were like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So all of a sudden I was really far up in the line <laughs> and he's up on a podium and there's like these two, like, you know, booth babes uh, directing traffic and like coming and telling you you're next and and as i'm walking up i see him reach for one of the free postcards and he sees the lunchbox and he stops reaching <laughs> and he just takes the sharpie and i'm smiling and i look at him and i'm like hey it's really nice to meet you and he goes hey pal uh -oh. <laughs> that's all he said to me was hey pal and uh and he signed the lunchbox and handed it back to me. And when I knew I was about swinging distance away from him, I said, I love your work. <laughs> <laughs> and got the hell off the podium. And then I took Dave's lunchbox and I touched it against the tail fin of the Sky Cycle, the rocket that he went out uh -huh. over the Snake River Canyon. And I don't know if I put it up against the wheel of the motorcycle, but you can walk right up and touch this stuff. Mm. And uh, so that's my Evil Knievel story. Wow. So, yeah. Hey, pal. <laughs> Hey, pal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a friend who listens to the show had a funny story about him, but I'll tell that one another time because um, it, it, it needs more explanation than I want to give right now. But uh, uh, another guy with a last name, Johnson, Tony Johnson, who's probably listening, uh, I'll tell your story with your okay sometime. Uh, it takes place in a bathroom. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway. The only celeb I met in a bathroom was the guy who played the lead zombie from Land of the Dead. Wow. Oh, wow. You mean Eugene Clark? Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah, wow. Big Daddy. Yeah, I just looked over to my left and there he was. Wow. It's Big Daddy. Yeah. Wow. He's, he's, we were both fully functional in, yeah. our, in our plumbing. and uh, Yeah. That, that's. I, I didn't bother him. You know, it didn't seem the right place. He had a good stream no, going. No, no. <laughs> he had a no. good stream going. And never yeah. bother a celebrity in the bathroom. Yeah, no. I, I never bother them when they're off duty. You know? I do. I get interviews that way. <laughs> I roll up shamelessly. Hey, you're famous. Hey. Talk to me. I've got, I've got if you look now, you'll notice there's no toilet paper in your stall. For an interview, I'll pass this roll to you. <laughs> i got to remember that trick. Yeah. Have, have I told you my story about Lance Henriksen? No. I don't think no. so. No. My first job in America, I was working at Starbucks, and it was across from this hotel where they had lots of conventions. And he was in town for one, and so he, he came. You know, I, I did the early hours one, early hours shift from five thirty through to midday, and and uh, and he came in. Oh wow! And uh, you know what he said? Hey, pal, <laughs> venti latte. <laughs> that was it. And you were probably impressed with how small he actually was. Yeah, and you know, it didn't bother him. Just nodded, and here's, here's your venti latte. Made him whatever the hell that thing is. You're like, damn, that drink's bigger than you, mister. <laughs> Do you want some help? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I yeah. saw him out, outside the hotel at Horror Hound last year. And I looked over and he was smoking, which was alarming to me because he mm. sh shouldn't be. Where does he get that voice from? Oh, I guess that's true. And he was smaller than I expected. 
So that happened. And that's why they put him in Bigfoot movies because he makes it look bigger. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, they just need an average tall dude. Yeah. You're six three. We need you to play Bigfoot. Well, I'm not that tall. No, no, really. No, we got a bunch of short people. Yeah, we, we got, got Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> All those guys. Um, so what else? What else? All right, uh, more Kate Jackson. Death at Love House. ABC Movie of the Week. Ooh. September 3rd, 76. I watched it on September the 3rd. Perfect. Didn't plan it. Just, Just happened. happened. Noticed what the date was in my, my reference guide to TV movies. I thought, how spooky is that? Pretty Kate, spooky. Kate Jackson, Robert Wagner. Uh, they rent the mansion of his father, Joel, to write the bio. And it's like uh, the mansion is the, uh, it's obviously the Harold Lloyd estate. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So uh, immediately, it, you know, it, it reminds you of like Cold Heart Canyon, the Clive Barker novel, you know. Mm. Right. Um, completely unfilmable. <laughs> you can't have a movie with that many famous people having an orgy. Right. Um, clearance rights and all that. Anyway, she's she's pregnant, and uh, uh, in the house is the portrait of Lorna Love, who is the the father's amour. And there's also a stuffed cat named Nosferatu. <laughs> um, Lorna Love was the star with from the 1920s with no soul, hmm. and witchy satany things ensue. Um, this also stars John Carradine. Mm-hmm. Joan Blondell, oh. Dorothy Lamour, oh. Sylvia Sidney, Mariana Hill. Uh, John Carradine plays Conan Carroll. Um, and this is this is like an old video. Uh, it's really soft and has poor sound, but you know I, I enjoyed it. Um, the weak link in in this is uh, Lorna Love, played by Mariana Hill. I mean, she she's a fine performer, but she she, she looks just so seventies. Yeah. Um, it's got a good creepy bit where uh, uh, Joel, uh, the Robert Wagner character, is watching this silent Lorna Love film, and she starts becoming aware of him watching this old movie. Ooh, and that always works. Um, and we watched uh, season two of Mindhunter. Did you watch any of that? Yes, only got an episode or two into the first season, but yeah, we binged the whole thing in a week. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, it's just so good. I think David Fincher watched. He directed the first three, I think. He directed a bunch of them. Yeah, um, I'll so talk you, about you that all next. This? Yeah, yeah. So uh, in yeah. my recently watched, right? And then we we're about halfway through the Terror Infamy. So uh, I think that's. I don't know that. That is it. That so you no. Know, the first season of the Terror was the Dan Simmons story where they go to the one of the poles at Antarctic or the Arctic. Oh, and it's okay. like this 19th century ship and they get stranded. Yeah. Mm. Nice. And it's kind of a 19th century version of the thing. Sort of. I've never heard of the terror. But yeah, the second season of the terror is called Infamy. Okay. And this one's about, this is set in 1941, 1942. Oh, I was just going to make that Japanese joke. Japanese Americans. Yeah, Day of Infamy. Uh, uh, so you've got Japanese Americans who are like putting... A camp. Camp, yeah. And then well, uh, one of the guys, he goes to work as a translator in uh, Guadalcanal, but he's been stalked by a yure. Ooh. Um, and it, it takes it takes about four episodes for the, the horror stuff to really get going. Um, you know, mostly it's, you know, it's, it's a good drama. It's a good yeah, historical yeah. drama, and, and, uh, and the ghost stuff starts kicking in in earnest about four 
episode four or five. Mm. All right. But, uh, yeah, we're enjoying that one. Anyway, that's it. So, so you watched uh, Mindhunter? I watched Mindhunter. I'll start there. Uh, I watched Mindhunter season one and two. I pretty much binged it. I don't know why. Because in the end, I feel like Mindhunter is a better looking... I can't say better written, but definitely better looking, better directed Criminal Minds. I never saw that. It is basically, once again, we're fascinated with serial killers, but they're not very interesting. No. Um, That's why I was reluctant, reluctant to watch the first one. Yeah, that was my reluctance too. And I feel like having watched it, like I watched them all. I really like David Fincher. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think they look beautiful, but it's so sort of tropey, even though it's based on actual killers and whatnot. And if you're a serial killer fanboy, they go all out on this. I mean, the people look exactly like they looked um in real life uh but it concentrates on the agents it It concentrates on the agents but i found that their stories were although well acted and well written were kind of basically crap we see on on network television oh boy the the one uh profiler's kid has autism and might be a murderer Mm -hmm. (sighs) what what i found really interesting about season two is it undermines them like, oh yes, Wellen's like fixated on his theories, and he he misses. Yes, and all the way through, you're seeing this killer that who doesn't fit any of his ideas. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. free, and we know that he's free until like really recently. Yeah, um, and yeah, all, all, all the, that, the that, supposed heroes are doing wrong things. Yes, I did like that. Um, you know, um, because if you look into criminal profiling, it's a bunch of crap. I'm just going to say, it's cold reading. Um, It's John Edwards, you know, talking to the dead on the other side, although they're just, you know, oh, well. Uh, You know, he's a killer, he's white, he's a loner. I mean, most people, there's a lot of white people in this country, a lot of loners. I mean, their guesses aren't really that much. You overlook all the things they get wrong, um, typically. Um, I spent part of the day after watching all these episodes looking at criminal profiling because it just seemed like like the one guy even admits he's like your 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 focus is too narrow mm-hmm. we need to check out these other things you know yeah. in the story he's saying there's a black serial killer everybody else is saying maybe it's the clan which is totally an understandable mm-hmm. uh point of view um you know but and so, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you that, you know, that is interesting when they do sort of undermine their their uh, supposed infallibility of, you know, profiling. Um, I have to admit, uh, although I disparaged uh, serial, serial killer fanboys, I was quite happy to see Charles Manson. Um, yeah, I, I loved his interview. Uh, it seemed like an actual Charles Charles Manson interview, which he always comes across as like a, a new age philosopher, but just in a funhouse mirror. It's mm-hmm. so twisted, and like you're you're taking the message of say an Alan Watts kind of Zen message, 
and you're twisting it so bizarrely to be just about you. It's, I don't know. Uh, it leads me into my second watch uh, was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, no. Quentin Tarantino's latest movie. How'd you like it? Uh, it was fantastic. It super violated the Barnes limit. Oh, super. But speaking of which, I looked at, I was watching uh, Netflix. I was looking through Netflix. Uh, Pulp Fiction, two hours, 32 minutes. Oh, yep. Uh, Jackie Brown, two hours, 32 minutes. Yep. Inglorious Bastards, which I felt was like a really long movie, two hours, 32 minutes. What? Yes. I've never noticed that. Yes. They were all the same runtime. And I believe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was like two hours and 30 some minutes. Wow. So uh, it didn't feel long at all. It was well past the Barnes limit. Um, fantastic production design. Um, great characters. Uh, kind of meandering story about the last, you know, last days of Hollywood in 1969. Kind of this. The old, uh, the old, the old Hollywood, yeah. new Hollywood. Kind of. Tarantino's thoughts of Hollywood of his childhood. Um, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio do a great, great roles and uh, great performances in the roles of uh, uh, Rick, who's Leonardo DiCaprio's character, who is a uh, uh, former Western star. He was on a TV show called Bounty Hunt, which is a lot like... uh, say gun smoke or uh more likely uh the rifleman oh yeah um and brad pitt plays cliff who's his uh stunt double who's become uh since the show was canceled and rick dalton is kind of out of work uh and has a number of duis (laughs) cliff drives him around and is his ghost gopher and they just happen to live next door to sharon tate and uh roman polanski oh damn um, and it just, they, their lives kind of keep intersecting with, with the Manson family. Um, fairly, fairly subdued, not violent film until the last maybe 10 minutes. And then it's Tarantino all the way, okay. which had the audiences laughing. It was fantastic. Um, if you did not know who Marilyn, or who, uh, who the Manson family was and, and Charles Manson, um, I don't know if you would like this movie because it would hmm. just be like hippies show up at the end, some evil hippies, and right. they're dispatched. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but I would say I would rank it up there with probably, uh, it might be under, uh, I don't know. He has only nine movies, so it's hard to you know order them, but. Yeah, yeah. And, and most people put Pulp Fiction somewhere near the top. I'd put Jackie Brown 1, Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction 2, okay. yep. and then maybe Kill Bill, if you count it as one, and then I would count Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nice. Um, again, if you didn't know the story, you wouldn't know who Sharon Tate was. Um, she gets a really nice part in the movie. I mean, Margot Robbie or whatever her name is. But, yeah. Um, I know people were complaining, like, well, why do you go? She goes to the movies to watch one of her movies. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much her scene. It's just her watching the movie. Oh, nice. Um, she gets into the movie for free by saying, you know, or 
can I get in if I'm in the movie? And they're like, what? And they bring the manager up, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you want popcorn? She's like, no, no, no. And it, I don't know. It's just a really nice moment. Yeah. You know, for somebody who didn't get really to live, yeah. you know. She was just um, getting her career into yeah. into like full swing when you know a bunch of dirty hippies showed up. Yeah, got and the I, wrong house too, by the way. Like they got the wrong people. Like well, yeah, well, they got the wrong people. They, they, were, they got the right. They got the right, house, the right house, but, wrong people. But yeah. Melcher was no longer living there. That's right. who they wanted to go after. Right. Um. And then what did I watch? I watched. Um, and by, by the way, uh, Phyllis Vampire Killers is coming out on Blu-ray really soon. Oh, cool! So, uh, oh, okay, yeah, uh, she's Warner in Warner Brothers archives, but now. Yeah. I understand yeah. it's not good. It's not good. It no, looks, it's looks a great. Terrible movie, but looks great. And she, yeah, she's Sharon in it. Tate's in it. She's in it, and it's a piece of history. He has uh, Steve McQueen in the movie. Yeah, he does great. Um, Bruce Lee's in it. Bruce Lee's in it. Um, I know a lot of people are complaining about the Bruce Lee bit because yeah, he's about that. he's kind of a jerk in the scene. But if you pay attention to the movie, the first thing, first scene you get with Rick Dalton is Al Pacino coming to him. Al Pacino plays a, a like movie producer, um, and he comes to him and he asks uh, Rick Dalton, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm on this week's episode of." some fake tv it might be a real tv show i don't know but some tv show and he's like yeah and i play the heavy and they're like well, and the producer's like well do you lose at the end he's like of course i lose at the end in the fight i'm the heavy and he's like that's what they're doing to you they're you're yesterday's hero they trot you out to fight the new guy so the new guy can beat you so he shows that he's better than the past well then bruce lee later in the movie uh, Cliff, the the stuntman, is having a little flashback when he met Bruce Lee. And they basically play that same thing. Bruce Lee is the known badass. And to show what a badass Cliff is, they have him fight. Mm -hmm. It's a draw. Um, you know, they both get in a good punch or a good kick. I don't think it was that. Uh, I mean, I think if you pay attention to the movie, I can see where quentin tarantino was going with it um so i don't agree with people who are like oh he he portrayed bruce lee as a as a you know egotistical jerk but later in the movie he shows uh sharon tate training with bruce lee because she was in a little movie she had she's in matt hill movie yeah she does martial arts, martial arts yeah and, and some of that was part of who he was there was a healthy dose of arrogance to oh, him yeah. because oh, yeah. he was that good yeah there was and, oh, i should say ego you know he had he had a good ego on him you know and i i think part of it is people and tarantino wrote this because it's always been a, a sort of thing but could bruce lee beat muhammad ali well yeah and uh and bruce lee's like yeah i'd cripple him yeah, and, he, and Cliff yeah, he, is. He did actually say at one point that he could beat him. Then later, he he, he changed his yeah. story. And so Cliff is like laughing, and he's like, "You're laughing at me? Why are you laughing at me?" And that's what starts the fight, you know. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It didn't come across as like uh, because of the later scene with with Sharon Tate, and he seems very respectable. It it comes across as like that's Cliff's thought. You know, they have another part where Rick Dalton is asked by another character, oh, I heard you up, you were up for Steve McQueen's part in The Great Escape. And he has this little 
thought in his head, Rick Dalton, where they've cut Steve McQueen's character out of the movie and inserted Leonardo DiCaprio doing the same scene. <laughs> and it's like, he goes, and then, you know, it, it plays a little scene uh, when he's playing baseball and they send him the hole to the hole. And he's like, oh, I hope you're still here when I get out. Um, um, if you've seen The Great Escape as many times as mm-hmm. I have. <laughs> You know, but he he goes he shakes his head. Rick Dalton shakes his head. Nah, nah, I was never even considered. So uh, you get these little glimpses that are like, oh, that's not what really happened. Mm-hmm. So right. I don't know why you're upset, but you know, yeah. They're, uh, well, they're ta- anyway, they're taking liberties with actual. Yeah, people. I mean, yeah. It doesn't end the way life, you know, actually ended. Which again, you know, I like Quentin Tarantino's sort of people being able to get revenge on their oppressors that he's done in it's a nice the little, last few movies. Nice Even little remix. I didn't care for Django Unchained. I thought it went on too no, long. Same, same. You know, it yeah. got there was a shootout at the house and then there's this whole detraction in the middle and then it just goes right back to a shootout at the house. And it's like you could cut that whole section out, especially with Quentin's terrible Australian accent, which Australia wasn't even a country yet. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. I've not liked his last few. I liked Inglorious Bastards. I thought it was a kind of nice homage to war movies and how we let movies, you know, be history for us when they're not at all like that. Uh, you know, it's been a number of years since I've seen it, but I enjoy I remember enjoying that one. Although I thought it was really long, no, yeah. two hours thirty-two minutes. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the Tarantino limit. It's it's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's kind of long for for most movies because a lot of movies could get their point across in ninety to a hundred minutes, but yeah. they choose not to. Um, these are choices. They, they make them for their own reasons. <laughs> then wrapping it up, since this has gone on for a while, um, I watched uh, a show called Baskets. Okay. With uh, Zach Galifianakis and Louis Anderson. Wow. Zach plays a clown named Chip Baskets, okay. who is a cloon, a French clown, <laughs> a clown. who uh, can't find work and he has to work at a, uh, at a rodeo as a circus clown or oh. a rodeo clown. And uh, it's pretty good. We watched the first season. Louis Anderson plays his, his mom. Oh. She's fantastic. He's fantastic. You forget that it's Louis Anderson. Yeah, um, he would always do his his mom's voice, and in, that's in totally who, who who he's playing yeah. is his mom, and yeah. and she's great. Um, Chip is a total fucking asshole. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I hate his character so much, but I keep watching the show because Louis Anderson and the rest of the cast. Okay. Um, what else did I watch? I feel like there was another comedy I watched in there. But uh, I watched a series called The Boys yep. on Amazon. I understand you're watching this as yep, well. Yep, I'm a few episodes in. Three, yeah. three or four in. I think four. Uh, based on a Garth Ennis comic. Yeah, which I've I'm never sorry, seen. I'm sorry, funny book. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Uh, on one hand, I was like, eh, I'm kind of tired of the, of the gritty superhero, dirty, scuzzy superhero. Um, or, you know, what would superheroes be in real life? But I ended up liking the show, and I'm looking forward to a second season. 
Yeah. I thought the characters were well done. Um, What's great about it is when they start, you think, oh, they're going to have like really crazy stuff happen. But you think it's going to be happening with these virtuous people. Because when you see this Superman slash Captain America type dude. Yeah. And he just throws that guy. And the guy goes way up out of frame and then falls on top of a car and is obviously dead. Yeah. That's when the first scene you see this character and you think, oh, it's going to be like that. They actually just dispatch the bad guys with, you know, that with prejudice like that. You know, yeah. it's going to be crazy. And this is this is mild spoilers because you figure this out pretty early. Yeah. They're just reprehensible, awful people, most of them. Yeah. They've got different flaws. Some of them have some of the same flaws, but as people, uh, they're horrible. Yeah, horrible. It's basically, people. the Justice League with horrible, horrible people. Yeah, which is <laughs> like kind if of Superman fun. was an asshole, and yeah, and that reminds the Flash was hooked on some sort of superhero drug. Drug, you know. Did you ever hear that story about the the guy on top of the building? And, uh, Which guy? Top of what building? Oh, it was just some guy on top of a building, and there was <laughs> that story. Yeah, I've yeah, heard that story. You've heard this one? It's a good one. It's, there's like there's like three three or four guys at the top of this building, and one of them is talking about the wind currents, and he just jumps off the building, and then he comes just swooping back up over and lands on his, <laughs> lands on the ledge, and he and, and this this guy is like, I can't believe how you did that, and he says, Oh, it's the wind currents up against these skyscrapers. And he's, he's like, watch, I'll do it again. He just jumps off the building and the wind carries him back up and he lands on his feet on the top ledge. And he's like, try it. It's foolproof. It'll bring you right back up. This guy jumps off and hears screaming and a big splat. And the other guy says, Superman, you are such an asshole when you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so watching this made me think of that joke that I heard in probably sixth grade. Yeah. Since I moved to Denver, there was a guy who jumped off one of the blocks downtown and the wind blew him in through a window like a few floors down really (laughs) this guy came flying through an office and startled the people (laughs) wow never heard that story that's insane i know there was a lawyer who uh was talking to a friend and they were talking about the windows in their office building and long story short but the guy was like oh no these windows are reinforced and he threw himself at the window Mm -hmm. and it fell out of the frame and he went flying down to the street did he die i'm pretty sure he died we would assume he he just surfed the pane of glass yeah yeah the silver surfer came right back in through the window That, that was one of those old urban legends about the guy carrying a sheet of plywood and ended up hang gliding to his safety from you know, yes, yeah, many stories of or, or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah somebody, I bo- that one. somebody working on a skyscraper. Not true. Sure of it. Fell with a piece of plywood. Yeah, just hang glided. Well, yeah. good luck. <laughs> Give yeah, it I don't t- think you'd have enough. Uh, you know, aerodynamic buoyancy or whatever yeah. you would call it. Uh, yeah, there's just no way. wingspan. Yeah, you know, you could hold on to the sheet of plywood, but you know, it's it's not going to go the way you hope. So uh, is that a good segue into me? Yeah, yes. yeah, I yeah. Think that's so, yeah. About it. I watched the boys, um, the first four or so, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. And um, as much as it should be cringy, it's kind of not. I mean, not like make you squirm at how awful they are. They they just the way they take the opportunities to do the awful is is, is just about right. Yeah, and uh, like the um, 
the terrorists on the airplane, that whole scene, uh-huh. uh, that one, I was just like, oh, God, what are they going to do? Oh, no, what are they going to do? And then what they finally choose to do, you're like, oh, well, that figures what we know from this guy. Yeah. Um, so I watched Aquaman. Um, that was our, our mainstream pick for something that was fun and kind of kooky and crazy and adventure-y yeah. uh, without being a horror movie, obviously. Um, and I watched for the Annabelle you know, quick, right, quick right, flyby. Right. And yeah, yeah, I saw it. Okay. I saw it under, underwater. It just went by in the left mm-hmm. screen. Um, uh, while I was at horror hound, I happened to catch that Christine was on and I had already seen the car when they were unloading it and, um, briefly talked to the uh, owner of the car and hadn't interviewed him yet, but I watched the movie and was just really, I was maybe 20 minutes into it and then watched the whole rest of the movie because it was on broadcast TV, like AMC or something. Um, then uh, when I got back, I watched uh, Devil at the Crossroads, which is about a 48-minute documentary sort of thing mm-hmm. about Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. And it kind of digs a little deep into it. And there's some archival footage of like people interviewing people who played with him back in the day yeah, or were at the juke joints that he played at. And people pretty much agreed. He sucked on guitar. He really wanted to be a guitar player and just wasn't any good. So he'd go up in between sets and pick up a guitar and start fiddling with it and messing around. And people would be like, you sound terrible. Put it down. We don't want to hear you making that noise. And uh, the one the one old blues guy describes him as uh, noising on that guitar. Noising. Quit, quit noising on it. And so... Uh, and then he's gone for about a year and a half and comes back and he's better than anybody. And he's just unnaturally good at the guitar. And I'm thinking, well, he found a good teacher and really busted his ass because he yeah. really wanted it. I believe you could learn the guitar pretty well in 18 months if you worked at it. If you really wanted it. You, and you really had, worked at it. Yeah. And you had some aptitude and they said he had pretty big hands so he could reach some notes and he could do some bass parts with reaching over with his thumb that yeah. pe- people would be like, how did he make that sound? Anyway, it was really fascinating, and they filled in a lot of the stuff with like these really cool animations. It's, oh, neat. The style of it's really fun. So that's on Netflix. Um, Is it narrated by Vincent Price? It should be. Well, Music by King Crimson. <laughs> then he went to the crossroads and met the devil. <laughs> he was evil. Um, I don't do a very good Vincent Price. Um, and then... Uh, uh, while I was on the road, when I was at uh, Dragon Con, you know, rather than get up to some mischief, I'm staring, <laughs> I'm staying at this Airbnb. Uh, I chose to, you know, watch Angel Heart on oh. Prime. I finally navigated the smart TV and figured, well, I don't want to mess up anybody's accounts, but it was clearly this woman's apartment, and she would go stay with maybe her significant other or something. But it was all of her belongings and food and everything. It's just like, all right, I'm just going to not mess with anything. And I'm also not going to mess up her like Netflix or whatever and sign her out and sign me in and mm-hmm. shit like that. So I found that, yeah, Prime was working kind of normally. So I watched Angel Heart. I really enjoyed that. Had not seen it in many, many years. Uh, then I watched this one and I just wrote down UFO <laughs> something something Mexico. Well, I just, while we were talking earlier, yeah. I, I just put in those search terms and it was beyond the spectrum, Mossan's UFO files. So it's Jaime Mossan. Uh, who is a very respected Mexican journalist who did some investigative journalism on UFOs. And he was interested in just reporting facts and and eyewitness accounts about things. And he basically was delivering that 
there's a lot of unexplained stuff and some bad footage and some good footage and some reliable stuff and some unreliable stuff. But some of the things he presented was very compelling and it was a lot of fun to watch. Again, I've stated my opinion on this. Whether whether I can make up my mind or not doesn't matter. I'm very entertained by the material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some spectacular <clears throat> footage in, from some of the Mexico yeah. sightings. Yeah, and that was... Speaking of which, have you seen the Navy UFOs that they've posted? Oh, are we talking the Tic Tac stuff? Yeah. The Tic Tac incident? I have not seen the footage from that. <clears throat> but um, I'm pretty fascinated by it. I've listened to a few different UFO podcasts talk about it, and... Somewhere in the skies, I'll do a plug for Ryan Sprague's show. It's it's a really good one. Yeah, um, it's, it's a good UFO uh, podcast. Um, but yeah, um, speaking of Ryan, he was on. Uh, that segues into the next thing on the CW. I watched uh, Mysteries Decoded, and uh, the first one they did was Roswell, and that was like a standalone thing. And then they decided to turn it into a series. Mm. So if you watch that series, um, the woman that he was um, co-hosting with is the primary person on it. And she's an, she's a, a private investigator, but she also plays um, Max's mom on Stranger Things. So she does have that side of her too, which Stranger Things is loosely based on the Montauk experiments that get talked about so much. And so that's one of the episodes they do, is Montauk. And they cover some other stuff. Um, but it's pretty fascinating. Um, so Mysteries Decoded is a lot of fun. That's on the CW. And um, uh, It Chapter 2. Um, I was Ziggy's adult to go see It Chapter 2. And she was just jumping out of her seat the whole time. That was really cool. She was telling characters what to do. She was. She was to do. Was, yeah, she was telling them that they should kiss or that these other two should not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. Um, I will say that the uh, the characters uh, are well the, the adult characters are well cast yeah really well cast and I was a little skeptical that Bill Hader would just not be Bill Hadering it up which he does in places but that's he's playing a comedian like a stand-up comedian and uh, of course that's he's gonna you know take his comedic acting and sort of pour it into that so I I expected that but uh, just playing it straight and the dramatic parts, he does a pretty good job. And I'm really glad um, that, that he played it the way or they directed him the way they did. So um, I also wanted to mention a, a really f- a funny favorite Instagram account. It, it gets really good this time of year. You know how there's always the sexy so-and-so costumes around yeah. Halloween? There's a good Instagram account called Sexy Leatherface. <laughs> <laughs> mm. One of her most recent ones was a sexy Fred Rogers costume. <laughs> Ooh. So that was a lot of fun. Who's, who's Fred Rogers? Oh, Mr. Mr. Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. He did a PBS show. Was he the, he's the neighbor guy in the yeah. cardigan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, I saw a trailer for Tom uh, Hanks playing Mr. Rogers, and it was the most saccharine crap you've ever seen I had to get up and leave the theater and come back when the trailer was over yeah um, I think Tom Hanks only plays two characters Tom Hanks or somebody who's mentally slow <laughs> and he plays Fred Rogers like he's a slow person <laughs> awesome 
So God, this is that. <laughs> we're almost at a point where we should just call this a recently watched episode. We should. No, I don't have much to say about the feature. Okay, thing. well, let's. Yeah, why don't we just um, spend a little time on it? And um, and obviously, you guys know I have a friend in the movie and uh, co-director. <laughs> no, um, the guy, the guy who uh, who gets killed with a water bottle through the through the oh, mouth. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's John Ravenholt. Oh, okay. Yeah, he plays Frank, the guy with the ghost tours. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he gets one of the kills you can actually see. Yeah, that's true. There, there are some kills that are either off camera or or just not super visible um, because of you know lighting or whatever. But um, people right in front of the uh, kill. Yeah. So Friday the Thirteenth Vengeance. Um, here's the. I want to say something good about this movie first and foremost is that. Uh, how many Friday the Thirteenth movies have have we all watched? Eleven, ten? How many? Oh, uh, they've made. I've seen eleven. I think it's eleven. Um, I think they got up to twelve, didn't they? Maybe they did. Well, I think the reboot that they oh, did, the Platinum yeah. Dunes reboot was twelve. Mm-hmm. Was twelve? Yes. Okay, so this is the thirteenth one I've seen that was feature length, although it's not an official one. Um, I will say that if I had to rank them in order of how good I thought they were or how watchable they were, there are at least three that I think aren't as good as this fan film. Jason Takes Manhattan. Jason Takes Manhattan. That is a street. Jason Goes to Hell. Um, and yeah. Space and Jason. I like that one. I See, know you no, like you're, that one. Yeah, you threw that out there just to provoke me. But uh, there's, there's a part... Uh, let's say there's at least two, okay? Because <laughs> we just named two, and then we disagree. How about Freddy versus Jason? Um, watched that recently. It was more fun than I thought. Um, this one, okay, it's feature length, which for a fan film, it doesn't need to be. You could just do 20 minutes, you can do an hour, you can do any number of minutes and just stop it already and you're fine. Um, Four minutes over my limit. <laughs> yeah. Well, they owe me four grand if I was producing this. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's $1,000 a minute, jerks. Yeah. Um, so I'll just read what DreadCentral.com had to say, because uh, this movie came out a week ago. Since the ongoing lawsuit between the original Friday the 13th scribe Victor Miller and the film's director Sean Cunningham... Uh, remains contentious, the future of the franchise is nebulous. Luckily, some truly skilled filmmakers have stepped in to fill the void with an exceptional fan film. One of the latest is Friday the 13th Vengeance, which you can watch right now uh, with the link at the top. Um, Billed as a direct sequel to Jason Lives, Friday the 13th Part 6. You can read the synopsis below, and it gives a synopsis that... You've got this character, Elias Voorhees, which is Jason's father, which I think was silly and unnecessary personally, but um, I don't like Killers Explained or uh, Unknown Relative stepping in. That's just who, that's how I am about it. Like, I never liked that when they did that with the Halloween movies uh, or Rob Zombie's remake of Halloween where it's like, oh, this is why Michael Myers is screwed up. No, thank you. I've I've never liked that. Um, But as a fan film... um, we expect little or nothing, and I feel like we got a we got a story. We got a something. <laughs> we got a something. We got a something instead, and uh, most of it was in focus, and uh, you know there weren't any boom mics hitting anyone on the top of the head. No. Uh, there were some bad actors, and yes. there were some good actors. I won't say debatable. Great. 
uh, well, I won't say great, but I will say good. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we had a couple of leftover Jasons from other movies who were uh, really cool to step in and not be Jason. Well, one of them's named Jason, but um, and we got a new Jason who was a big dude who uh, had most of the body language down pretty well and had a really good costume. I didn't like the blackout eyes; I could tell they were no, fabric. The fabric yeah, eyes. yeah. Um, maybe that wasn't supposed to show. The well, new, well, why'd they light it that way? I don't know. I don't know how they didn't see that and and like put some texture in it or something. But uh, uh, so really, what I what I will say is I was entertained. And um, I think this is not their first effort, but it's an early effort from this team. And I thought it was watchable and fun. That's where I'm coming from on it. Like I, I was going into it with, uh, with the hopes that, oh my God, it's not going to be awful, is it? And, uh, you know, maybe some people thought it was. I didn't. I didn't think it was awful. Um... I will say, uh, most positive thing, drones are amazing Mm -hmm. at aerial shots, beautiful, seamless, floaty aerial shots. Mm -hmm. Man, I'd long for a movie for that. Just just that. Um, Just drones taking aerial shots of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe some some factories and then maybe a nude beach and then uh, a fireworks show. Uh, Wildebeest. Heard yeah. of Wilderbeast, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's called Planet Earth. You should watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was shot fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting was all right. The writing was left something to be desired. Um, my biggest, not even complaint, but my biggest question is, why make a Friday the 13th? Why not make you your could own? just sand off the serial numbers on it and make it Jeremy, and he wears a scuba mask and kills people. <laughs> sure, and then you could release this shit. You could, you know, make money off of it. Why would you spend all that time on Friday the Thirteenth? I could understand spending five years of your life to make a racer head. Sure, but Friday the Thirteenth? Mm-hmm. They're not even that good. They're- Granted, this was. Uh, it would sit somewhere comfortably in the middle of the good ones and the bad ones. Okay. Um, kind of my point. Yeah, exactly. It just kind of seemed like, why would you spend... Because movies aren't cheap. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time on this. Right. Um, now, the actors donated their time. Yeah. They own the camera and uh, or cameras. I don't know how many. And probably the sound equipment. And yeah. And I'm sure all the editing stuff. Um, so, it was cheap. Yeah. But still, you could just make him a different killer. I mean, why don't you make it an homage, which is sure. just a nice way of saying Stalin. But... <laughs> <laughs> like Hatchet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was a parody more than anything, but yeah. But yeah, you know, just... You don't have to make it a parody, but you could throw in... You could still have the dad character and... The whole movie could be exactly the same, but you just have a different killer. I mean, what does Jason really have going for him? He's... Uh, The hockey mask. He's got a first name and a last name and a hockey mask, and he kills people. That's about it. He's a big dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... A lot of the killers are big dudes. There's not really 
Well, Chucky isn't, but you know. Too much there. <laughs> He's got a big personality. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He really fills the room with He's his personality. He's like a, a Yorkshire Terrier of maniacs. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The Yorkshire Terrier of maniacs. Uh, so, yeah, this is just what I wondered. You know, any fan film, I'm just, I'm always, anything fanfic kind of, like, why, why would you, you're spending all this time writing it, and. and is it because it brings attention? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it does bring attention. Maybe that's why you do it. Maybe, I mean, I can see why people write fanfics, you know, you mm-hmm. love the characters, you want more stories. But it seems like at some point, if you put enough effort into it, you could put a little bit more in and just <laughs> make those, quote, new characters. Sure. You know, if I wanted to make a Star Wars, Star Wars was already a ripoff. I could, you know, yeah. sand off the serial numbers enough of Star Wars to have space wizards and sure shit, you know? it's Yeah. Yes. Um, Star Wars was a Western in space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lucas wagon train in space. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. So I'm just left wondering that, like, why, why make a fan film? Yeah, well, that's a. I mean, that's a good point. Um, and I do parody like artwork. A few of my pieces involve Star Wars, so I parody can't... is different, though. It's, at it's least different. in my yeah. mind, you're you're making fun of that. Or you're using it to make fun of something else. But just a straight fan film, I mean, they work hard to make it fit after part six. Even though it's a nonsensical <laughs> timeline for any horror movie. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know. So, you know what Fifty Shades of Grey is, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's Twilight fanfic. They, and they, they just changed, changed the all the names. Yeah, exactly. Why yeah. don't you do? Why don't you do that? You know. Okay. My movie Alf isn't really going to be Alf, but you know, a furry puppet that insults people. <laughs> sure. I'm going to call him Ralph. Sure. Okay. All right. Fair point. Um, so, what uh, other than the aerial shots and everything but the eyes on the costume? Uh, what What else uh, do you feel they got right? What do you feel was good about the thing? Um, um, I was a little the concerned. location was good. Yeah, they had a, a few a few different locations. Yeah, you know, I thought the woods looked like actual spooky woods. It didn't look like they were just in the, you know, city park down there. Right. <laughs> you can see people in the background. And the sets sets look the pretty sets good. Sets look pretty good. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, they obviously cared and they put effort into this. I can admire that. Sure. But it's still, at the end of the day, that question of why why use someone else's property? Right. When it's not like an astronomical leap to make a new killer. Yeah. Whose cardboard is cardboard is Jason. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, and I've never, I've never found Jason to be super dynamic. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. He's not very dynamic. He could be replaced by, I don't know, a hillbilly in a gunny sack hood or maybe a different guy who was oh wait these are actual storylines in the yeah. friday the 13th yeah. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah see it's that easy you know yeah okay and that, that that's also a fair point um, yeah so yeah i've never i've never really other than um un, hmm, i won't say unwillingly but other than having watched a 50 shades of gray movie yeah 
uh, and having, uh, as a joke, watched some Twilight movies. You yeah. Know, and knowing the, the correlation between the two, I can't say that I've witnessed a whole lot of fan fiction. Um, you know, like if there were whole comic books of Betty and Veronica getting it on, I mean, I might read those. You know, there cause... are. It was called Cherry Pop Tart. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God. Every time I say something, it turns out it's actually a thing. Right. And also, Dan DiCarlo would send out cartoons to his friends, which were. Yes, Dan DiCarlo did some pretty racy comics before Archie. And, and, and during. And during. Yeah. And yeah, he liked a lot of gag cartoons. Yeah, Betty and Veronica had no need of Archie. No, yeah. no. See, that's what, I, that's what made me think of that because, you know, I knew Dan DiCarlo had a, a, a pretty uh, naughty sense of humor. So, yeah. I, I haven't witnessed a whole lot of fan fiction, so I don't know a lot about it. Ah, uh, so I don't know. I'm I, well, you know, like there's a whole, like Star Trek fans. They yeah. will write all kinds. I think of, that's where fan fiction started here I, in I, this country, anyway. I think it is with a uh, slash fic. Yeah, slash fic. Just <laughs> you know, same sex Kirk and Spock. Kurt and Spock oh. specifically. Oh wow! And that yeah, that was started after the show was canceled. It's called Slash because it's like. This character slash, slash this character. Okay, character. yeah. Huh. I guess they don't necessarily have to be same sex, but that's typically yeah how okay. slash is used. Okay, that makes sense. No. So, Julian, what did uh, so you watched this thing? Yep. Okay. Um, what on, on uh, Vimeo? Vimeo. Okay. Filled his eyes. <laughs> Vimeo. Why is there no way to watch you on the PlayStation? I don't know what the hell's going on there. So, what did you think? Uh, I mean. Wasn't your favorite? He's no, shaking I, his I head. Didn't, didn't like it. Well, you, didn't are, like you are a fan. I, well, I, I wonder about the, uh, you know, what, what are the rules for judging fan films? I mean, can you criticize it as if it was an actual movie? Well, that's the it thing. is, isn't it? It's a feature-length production with, yeah. with many of the people from the series. Yeah, I mean, it's. I would judge this, anyway, as a... Uh, I mean, uh, if I were to judge it uh, alongside, you know, theatrically released movies... Yeah, uh, I'd say this is terrible. It's awful. Yeah, uh, I was really bored by it. I, I felt very sleepy. I was just like, I was so tired of people just yakking and yakking and yakking. Uh, yes, I will agree with that. I was really bored for a large part of the film. Uh, I was really irritated. I'm, now I'm going on about how what I didn't like. Go for which it. Which I feel bad about. Don't feel bad about it. Uh, basic filmmaking, establishing shot. Yes. Where, where, you know, I mean, I, I can immediately think of people who can break the rules and do it well. Yeah. But basically, you've got to know where these characters are, who's, yes. who's there, and, you know, what the situation is. There's so many scenes just goes smashing, smash cut in, and you're in a close-up. And almost every shot was like what, what are they call in Europe the uh, American shot, which is like knees upward. Uh-huh. Um, like, it's like the way Westerns but shot. Yeah. Time. Uh, you'd have a million shots. You don't know exactly where you are, and uh, you're close in on two or three characters. You don't know who else is in the scene, and and so uh, so many scenes were just like that. It's just like suddenly in, into the yeah. middle of something, and for no good reason. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The kills, most of them, I couldn't see what was going on. It would happen just off screen or not on screen at all. Yeah. Or it would just it just suddenly happen and then out. There's mm-hmm. no like build up and then. Yeah. And then you get the payoff. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, like, the rhythm of a splatter movie is like a, 
comedy. You build up, and then there's the gag, and then mm-hmm. that's the end of the scene. This one is just like straight to the punchline and out. And, it's, and uh, what happened? Oh, someone died. It did feel like they were going for body count, so I wonder if that's oh, yeah. if they were just like, let's knock out four or five this it's way. Ridiculous. I mean, that's why they had the prisoners. Yeah, you have this prison team. And you could tell there's, there's always guys just in the background and they're just walking around in circles with shovels. What are they doing? Yeah. Because you don't get any shot which shows what they're actually doing. No. Yeah. That yeah, one That one did look no like... no shot that's far, far further than five feet away from the people who are talking. Yeah. Right. And there was, there was some bad editing, now that you bring this up, uh, where a scene would just... Somebody would speak and they'd cut it right at the end of their line, like... Don't give it yeah, any room to breathe. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, true. That, yeah. Now that I think about it, there was some bad editing. Um, I thought the lighting was really poor. Yeah, and they obviously had good cameras. They had great they cameras because had, had some experts on drones. Yeah, some good uh, like. The, that's why I said yeah, the drone were, footage was beautiful. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Nearly half the movie was in daylight, and then the rest of it was mostly. In the overnight. Yeah. And then they went to the next day for <clears throat> the last 10 minutes or so. So, yeah, I don't know how hard it was to shoot that low light stuff, but I mm. think the new cameras are supposed to handle it really well. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know the technical stuff that well at uh, all. Yeah, digital, it can get, it can really flatten things out in night shots. Yeah. So you don't get much uh, contrast. Mm, much the way my separation. camera can do on my phone. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what they were shooting this with, but it was it was they, they had some decent equipment, digital. but the lighting was poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe they couldn't uh, get the so like the, the Jason the 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 makeup and the costume is really good. Mm-hmm. It was on spot on, but uh, you know, and I, I, with that that close up of the mask, when you can see it's just like fabric over his eye holes. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, that that took me out of it, but I I felt like. Man, they should have done some test shots and went. Mm, we need to put some texture in there. Like just, just put some yeah. Spanish moss. You know, dip it in some black dye and you know just uh, yeah, tack it in there. Yeah, and just light it so it's a black hole like they do or in that. The movies. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And some of the angles, especially on the kills, just so poor. I'd, by the time I could tell what was supposed to have happened, it gone on to it was, the next. It was bit. over with. Like, yeah. like where he where he kills his his dad is supposed to be the big moment yeah and it's like why why is he rejecting him i don't even remember this why does jason suddenly turn on him and then he's shoving something through yeah and okay it, and i remember the, that. the angle it, just like the composition and the editing just so bad i just mm-hmm. yeah it just really made a mess of that yeah. oh yeah and i think they ended they probably and this is a wild guess they probably ended up with a lot of pieces that they were really sure were going to fit together, and then when they went to fit them together, said, "Okay, we're going to have to cut this off as soon as they say their line." Well, the other, the other thing is like the physical makeup, uh, you know, special effects. Mm-hmm. They take hours, and people standing around, and you can't have a bunch of people at night. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just out there because they're friends. And you right. can't expect them to stay there all night while you set up a shot and then retake it and retake it. So I right. think they just went with as good as they could get. Uh, yeah. Well, I sure. suspect that, that too. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, if these people weren't being paid, you don't want to hold them yeah, you know, all the, night. And they said as much that all the time was donated. But but and, the uh, you know, you had you had a, a few of the kills like the like the bottle through the, your friend's head. Yeah, that was well done. Yeah, you know, some, some of them they, they obviously had the time and, the, and you know the, they had the people on board to set up a good. Shot. Not not the best 
effects, but I did like when the hillbilly got his head ripped off. <laughs> Even though it looked pretty bad. He could have dialed yeah. it. He could have dialed his uh, character down. No, notch, notch no. If anything, that motherfucker <clears throat> needs to dial it up. Also, this was like, uh, the guy playing Jason, he moved, he looked great and he, he moved well, but he just seemed like he was the slightest man on the set. Like everyone yeah. else was kind of pear-shaped. Uh, yeah. these, these big guys and and uh, yeah, I didn't feel like he he, he I mean he did couldn't possibly pile through that chain gang like yeah. he was supposed to in the movie. It's just no, I thought something more interesting would happen with that. Yeah, because they kind of set it up, and again, it's you know yeah, the just gag. Nowhere, yeah. They talk and they talk and they talk. Mm-hmm. And you're okay. Here comes Jason. Maybe there'll be a big fight. There'll be mm-hmm. something interesting, and then he just kind of hacks through them, and they. Then introduce a camera that was out there somewhere. So the it was a body, right, body right. camera from one of the cops. So the cop can watch it, but it doesn't look like a body <laughs> camera at all. It looks like just the footage we just saw. Yes. Um, you know. Uh, also, a couple characters seem to like appear, be killed, and then we're back later. Oh. Uh, at least one I know, and then there's some other times I'm like, where did this character come from? They were just <laughs> there, and then they were killed, and then the movie went back to the characters we had been previously with, you know, sitting yeah. around the campfire. It was like, who was that person? Who was the person that went off, you know, with the the girl with the big boobs who was in the Ghost Hunters? <laughs> oh yeah, video. Yeah, she went off with the girl, and then they well, they got. Stabbed, but I don't know who yeah. the girl. Yeah, who was that? She, met, she just showed up. She was out in the woods waiting for her. I, yeah, she, it's like I, she showed I up and she's like, "Oh, I just I've just been waiting for you." And I'm like, the fuck? What? Like, apparently, we were too. I couldn't see a face or anything. I, didn't uh, know who I couldn't the, who figure she was. out who, who she was. <laughs> okay, and there what? was someone else that was the same sort of thing. Like, who is this girl? <laughs> she took um, her top off. That's great. Yeah, that was nice of her. Um, the opening shot where the guy is sitting there smoking weed out of a, the the uh, beer can, yeah, homemade pipe. Um, first of all, dedicated stoner is not going to resort to that. He's going to probably have brought his pipe with him. Yeah, um, but I'm going to assume he was so high he forgot his pipe. He seemed the way, or that, that way, or the bong got kicked out of the van door and broke. Oh, mm-hmm. that could happen too. Um, or that passed out girl was passed out on top of it. <gasps> And he didn't, Maybe. didn't want to bother her. Um, I did appreciate the couple that went to have sex in the tent got just smashed by Jason picking the tent up. Because that was a little homage to the... Uh, I know it's an homage. There's tons of homages in it. Sure. If you want to pick that out. And of course, it's a fan movie. You're going to get, you know, the Cunningham Road and all that right, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was that was just lame. He just picks up his bag and whacks it, and then they're incredibly bloody, and they're yeah. both immediately dead. You know? I thought they should have been killed with the big rock. You know. you know what would have been really cool? If he would have just grabbed up the tent like a sack and just walked out into the lake and <laughs> just drowned them. That would have been kind of cool. Maybe that wouldn't have taken much either. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying like as an opening like kill scene, um, yeah, I thought there was a... Uh, it was cool that the the passed out stoner girls, the one that got away, that they show her panicking and freaking out and trying to explain things to the cops, like shortly after. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't want to go on about this forever. But uh, I I just want to say that um, I know they put a lot of effort into this thing, and no, it's not perfect. But uh, at least the fans who want to watch something can watch this, and uh, mm. these jerks who are going to spend all their time in court aren't going to put anything out. 
and at least someone who cares tried. And I guess that's kind of where my head's at on the whole thing. And, uh, I mean, even if a friend of mine wasn't in it, I would have watched it anyway. Yeah. And, and I know there's a couple other short ones that I, now I'm going to definitely watch. And, uh, yeah, there seems to be a lot of Friday the 13th fan movies mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. So I have to say that before Dragon Con, like I worked extra hours all the way up to the convention, worked the convention, got home, worked a whole week, went to Horror Hound, worked a whole week, and now here I am. So not a lot of days off to watch a lot of stuff. Uh, luckily, I was able to watch a few things on the road, but I kind of want to dig in and watch some fanfic now that I, like I said, d- didn't know much about it. Didn't know really anything about it other than, hey, Twilight and uh, that uh, stupid spanking movie are, you know, <laughs> totally related. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. Do you so, think there's fanfic for other films? Like, There's got to be. You know, I mean, there's porn parodies of everything, right? Kurosawa films or, you know, Barry London 2. called Star Wars, wasn't it? Oh, it was. <laughs> that was Star Wars. Oh, my God. You're right. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, I'd love like a a follow up to Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Casablanca a fan film. We what, could have a lot of, you know. Whatever uh, happened at, after Casablanca ended? I want yeah, to know. Exactly. I really know. There was a TV series, wasn't there? Oh God, there was. Yes. Oh, that's horrible. It was at least a TV movie. I don't know if it was <clears> a <throat> series. It was a short-lived TV series. Okay, maybe that was it. Yeah, I think it was like David Soul or somebody in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I seem to remember reading that. I've never seen it, but because hmm. why would you? It's like, <laughs> why? <laughs> a really good movie. And, yeah, they they got they made this perfect movie, and it's like, all right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, guys, should we call it a show? So yeah, until we so, have a fanfic of, uh, <laughs> of you know. So you saw Midsummer, right? Yeah. Um, Jolien, have you seen it yet? No, but uh, I've got it on hold. So. Okay, cool. Um, you want to do that one for next week? Well, it won't be in well, for I won't, won't have seen it. But oh, okay. Um, maybe got I, I just got Ma. Ma. Oh, okay. Is that... If you want to come over and see that. That might be a thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would be interesting. Um, maybe Monday? Okay. We'll figure it out. And uh, so we'll watch Ma for next or week. Or maybe Sunday. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what your plans are. Mm-hmm. I have Sunday and Monday off, okay. so... So we'll watch Ma, and then maybe Midsummer for the next one. Pa. Okay. Pa. <laughs> that's Ma. The, that's the Ma. sequel, Pa. Fanfic. All right. Ma so. fanfic. Ooh, Pa. <laughs> that would be dead. great. Yeah. I really want to know where the characters got all their... It'd be Ma and Ma, wouldn't it? All their baggage. Ma and Ma. Ma and Pa. Kettle. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Ma and Pa Kettle fanfic out there. Actually, Will doesn't want this to end. No, I don't want it to end. It's been like five weeks since I've been on the show. Yeah, he's, he's, I've got nobody to talk to. <laughs> this is where I can get it all out. That's right. All right, well, let's get, all right, let's let's get out of here. Up. All right, bye. Time bananas.